Something we talk about quite a bit in our programs, like the Copywriter Accelerator and the Copywriter Underground, is systems and processes. Specifically, creating the processes that you need to have in place in order to support the work that you're gonna do with your clients or the work that you're gonna do in your own business. Systems help you get more done, they help you work more efficiently, and they help ensure that your clients are happy with the work that you produce at the end of a project. So as important as they are, many of us struggle to create systems that truly support the work that we do. Our guest for the 207th episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is systems expert Jordan Gill. And we asked her all about her approach to systems and how we can get better at creating our own. We'll share our interview with Jordan in a moment, but first, this episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Underground, a private membership and community designed to help you hit your business growth goals faster. Whether your goal is hitting 10K a month or launching a new service or product, or even just finding your first few clients, the resources and tools in the Underground can help you with accountability, support, coaching, and a path to help you get out of your own way and build momentum in your business. Find out more at www.thecopywriterunderground.com. This interview was great for me because I tend to bristle when there's a system that I have to follow. I scribbled a ton of notes as we were talking. So let's jump into this discussion with Jordan, starting with how she became a systems person. I used to reject the word systems. I think I can share this because y'all are all about words and copy. I despised the word systems mainly because I felt like people didn't know what they were. And so I, it wasn't clear. And, you know, as somebody who wants to make money, you need to be clear. And so I had several other business names before System Save Me was my business name. And my podcast name was actually System Save Me. And I recognize that no matter what other business name I had, everyone just called me like Jordan from System Saved Me. So I was like, oh my gosh, all right, fine. Like, I'm just going to embrace that it is systems that I do. I tried to do procedures, like processes, <laughs> I, workflows. Like, I avoided that word like the plague. And I think that, you know, it's okay to use words that kind of are, I don't want to say, it's essentially you can use words that actually say, hey, like if you know what this word is, then you're actually my client. And if you don't know what this word is, like you're not my client and that's okay. Um, and kind of having that dis um, cipher or section out the people who actually you work with. So my background, I started in the online industry six years ago working for um, an online business owner named Melanie Duncan. Uh, and I was an employee of hers and I was basically the songwriter to her Beyonce. So I actually have a content development background. So I know and understand the power of words very intimately. And it was a really fun position. I learned a lot, uh, working for her. She was, you know, seven, eight figure business owner, helping women build businesses online. Uh, she's no longer really in the space, but um, she was an incredible, incredible person to learn from. And from there, I kind of got a nudge, a twinkle, a twinge to go out on my own. And that is was interesting because I didn't have a name for myself. I didn't have a website. I didn't even have a personal Instagram. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go out. 
Um, so I started my business. I gave six weeks notice and started my business with $12,000 in monthly retainer, um, revenue, which is kind of insane, uh, because I was so ready to like hunker down and eat ramen in the basement of a dentist's office. Um, but I didn't have to, thankfully. Um, and not that I've avoided all ups and downs in any way, shape or form. However, how I started my business really was, um, pretty, pretty decent, I would say, um, for a start as far as revenue was concerned. But about five months in, I hated my business. And I decided, uh, how could I build something that didn't fit my personality or my preferences or how I operated? What I mean by that is, in September of 2016, I call it Launchmageddon, three out of my four seven-figure clients were all launching. And it's one thing to be part of one launch. It's another thing to be part of several launches. I don't know, Kira and Rob, if you've ever experienced that, but it is a lot of pressure. And so I said, okay, this is not going to work. This is not sustainable. And so I let go of two out of the four clients right away and started to Um, I actually hired a sales coach who introduced me to VIP days, which I know we'll definitely get into. And ever since March of 2017, I have done zero monthly retainer um, clients and fully immersed myself in the VIP day magic. So you started out by talking about the word systems and how you've come to embrace it. Can we define that? Like, what do you do? How do you define a system and why do we need them? Yes. So I like to simplify it. All a system is, is chronological steps toward a goal. So you think about, you know, a workout regimen, you do these workout, you know, steps in the right order and you will lose weight. Um, It's a makeup routine. You do your makeup in this order and you get hopefully a a good looking face at the end of it. Um, You know, same thing in business. If you want to set up an evergreen webinar, these are the steps you do it. And then you have an evergreen webinar. So systems are all around us. And I, And I think that people forget that, you know, uh, systems are not necessarily uh, just business oriented. My expertise is definitely in the business systems realm. Uh, And so that looks like, okay, what are those um, in, you know, the chronological steps toward the goal, looking at all of those chronological steps, which ones can be automated, which ones can be delegated and which ones are your superpower. And so when you look at your business and how many steps you're actually doing, I had uh, one client who was a trademark attorney and she was like, my onboarding is like 70 steps. And I was like, I, when she actually wrote it out and I was, I was flabbergasted and my onboarding process for my clients takes me five minutes and is approximately eight clicks. Um, so if you hear my specificity, I am a total nerd. I know how long it takes me to blow dry my hair. I know how long it takes me to do my makeup. Uh, that's just how I kind of operate. But it's it's important to know which actions and which steps only you need to do and everything else can be automated or delegated. And there's such a relief and refreshment when you allow yourself to really actually see what your superpower is and let everything else go. There's so much power in it. And some business owners never experience that. Um, but a lot of business owners thankfully do. Um, and when it really comes down to what is it that you want to be doing in your business, it's something that can free you from a lot of the control, the anxiety. And I'm a very highly anxious person. I definitely am a control freak. And so I believe I can speak to this very well. 
in the sense that, you know, systems have truly saved me in a variety of ways. And that's why, you know, the name stands. And I'm actually also a very forgetful person. And so systems have allowed for me to just, could I work on my memory? Sure. Right. (laughs) But that doesn't sound as fun. So I am, you know, I'm like, okay, well, how can my systems actually help me to be more present in my life, to be more present in my business and not have to worry about all of those annoying mundane admin tasks or other areas of my business that I don't feel like are my zone. And I just let it go. So that's what I would say systems are and then how they look in both business and life. Were you a systems kid? Like, did it show up as a kid in your childhood? Because I feel like you're either a systems person or you're not. And maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like you were the kid organizing and creating systems and I probably wasn't and I I wish I was. <laughs> so how now that you've worked with so many people, what's your view on the types of people? And maybe it's there's more gray area than I think. Mm. Yeah, I definitely was a systems kid. I was the one organizing Skittles by color. Um, I have this a little bit of OCD about even numbers. Um, the volume needs to be even. We need to have even distribution of weight, all of the things. Um, and uh, But I got a comment uh, recently, actually, that I'm the most chill OCD person they've ever met, which I was like, I appreciate that. I will accept that thoroughly as a compliment. Um, but I do think that there there is a bit of a spectrum because I, I've seen people who there tends to be in a lot of people's businesses and lives that there tends to be certain areas in which they appreciate systems and certain areas that they don't appreciate them and not appreciate in the sense of like, Oh, I'm grateful for that, but just appreciate in the sense of it feels necessary and it feels like a part of it's a habit essentially. So you know, there's, there's some people who really enjoy doing meal prep, but if you talk to them about batching their podcasts, they're like, I want to poke my eyes out, um, vice versa for some people. And so it's a matter of, okay, what areas of your life have you fully embraced a system or a routine or a regimen or a workflow? And how can you then extract what's actually being adapted as beneficial? And how can you actually move that into your business or into other areas of your business to make it work for you? I think that, you know, for a lot of people, an area that they struggle with is consistent content, myself included. And so with that, you know, how you can start to, I guess, like multiply time is looking at, okay, if, I do this task every single, you know, day of every single Monday of the week to be able to post, you know, a podcast or vlog or blog on Friday, then that's something that's on your calendar every Monday for the rest of the year, for the rest of the two years and ongoing from there. And thinking about how you can really maximize your time is okay, maybe I actually just need to do four podcast interviews or four blog posts, one Monday of the month, and then I get more time back the rest of the Mondays. And so starting to look at okay, how you can really extract again for batching works for some people doesn't work for some people. And I think that that's 
one of the areas that people can start that isn't super complicated, mostly, you know, an understandable an easily understandable concept um, and can have the goal met, right? So again, going back to like chronological steps toward a goal, you can choose what, how you operate those chronological steps. So if you want to do it every single week, then it's basically, you know, a full system every week versus if you batch it, you have the batching period of the interviews and you have the batching period of the editing then the batching period of the uploading and the graphics, all of that sort of stuff. And there's something called context switching that not a lot of people recognize, but they experience. <laughs> and that is where you're trying to go from writing a blog post to a sales call to doing, um, you know, a graphic for social media to starting a launch to all sorts of stuff in one day when it actually is way more beneficial for you to say, you know, okay, instead of going between these different types of tasks, I'm going to just focus on one area or one task type per day, per morning, something like that. So if you have a lot of writing to do, do that all in one day and don't have any sales calls don't have any podcast interviews, and you will see that you actually are able to get things done quicker because you're able to stay in the mindset of writing. Um, so those are a few things that I've seen help people who, you know, I see tendencies of meal prep, or I see tendencies of all day on Sunday, I'll do all the cleaning versus doing cleaning, you know, all throughout the week. If I see those tendencies in someone's life, then I know that batching in their business is going to be beneficial. So that's kind of how I start to diagnose and and give solutions to people who may not call themselves systems people or be able to identify the systems they're already doing habitually in their life and actually translate them into, into business. So this is really good. I, I think that I'm with Kira. I'm not necessarily a systems person, or maybe that's not good for us as business partners. It's I don't not. Know, but, it's not. <laughs> um, maybe you could talk a little bit about the role of personal discipline when it comes to systems, because it, at least for me, you know, I can set up a system or I can say, Hey, you know, I'm only, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start writing. I'm only going to check email after say two hours, or I've got systems, you know, to batch things. But if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. So how do you deal with the lack of personal discipline or, you know, people who may self-sabotage during that process? Like how do we set up systems that actually help us make the systems work? Absolutely. So there's kind of, two camps in, uh, in this arena. There's people who are in, in the systems realm, I want to say, and those are people who are good with structuring systems. So creating the actual workflow. And then there's people who are maintainers. I am a trash maintainer. If you have me on your team on a monthly basis to maintain your systems, you would be like, actually, you're not a systems person. However, I am really, really great at creating the structure of the system and then passing it off and having somebody else do it. So if you are not a systems person and you don't fall into either of one of those camps, one of the things that I uh, encourage people to do is at least get somebody to create the structure for you. Um, and then you can kind of finagle and, and make the maintaining work because when it comes to the discipline side of things, 
you know, there are ways to encourage, to um, incentivize, to attach it to something that means a lot to you and therefore you will move forward and, and actually take the action. And I think that the hardest part is more of the structuring than the maintaining. And the structuring, and what I say about that, when it comes to structuring, again, you can, you know, create a peanut butter sandwich or make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich 17 different ways, um, right? Like, are you a cut the, cut the corner to the corner? Are you like, you know, a rectangle, rectangle slice? Like, do you do peanut butter, then jelly, jelly, then peanut butter? So there's so many different ways that you can build a system. And if you are somebody who struggles with the maintaining and the structuring, I believe that if you can get the structure in place, that eliminates the every single time that you go and do that task or do that project, you're having to reinvent the wheel the entire time. And that's a lot of what the resistance or the noise or um, the distraction that comes up when you're maintaining. So maintaining becomes a lot easier if you're able to to create it to where all of the resistance, all of the noise, all of the distraction is gone, it makes it a lot easier to maintain because you're not having to rethink of, okay, last time I did this, I had to do it this way. Or what did I do the last time? Did I, you know, check this or did I not check this? Is the link working? Whatever it is. If you have simple checklists to keep you accountable in the maintaining, it's, it's a lot, lot easier to maintain. Um, and so I would say first step is getting the clearest path um, of your workflow so that there's less resistance when you're actually trying to maintain it. So I want to jump in here and talk just a little bit more about the role that discipline plays in the systems that we set up. Uh, anybody who's listened to the podcast for very long is probably going to pick up that this is a little bit of a theme for me. I tend to ask a little bit about this and uh, I feel like I'm really good at some processes like getting up early and exercising and at some habits like, you know, giving up sugar, but I'm really bad at other processes. And there are days when I sometimes, sometimes I just feel like I don't get anything done. So um, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how, how Jordan mentioned the resistance and, you know, I'm feeling that all the time. Like, how do you get stuff done, Kira? <laughs> well, I think it's funny that you say you don't feel like you get a lot done on some days. I mean, I think we all have those rough days, but I've heard you say this multiple times. And from an outside perspective, looking at you, it seems like you have figured this out. Um, so I guess I'm curious, like where that starts to fall apart for you. For me, it's with context switching, which Jordan mentions, and that really resonates with me because, you know, after you and I interviewed Jordan, we talked a lot about batching and how that's something that we haven't really done well in our business. And that's probably the easiest change we could make. Um, even though again, like this is weeks ago, we're still struggling to do that. Um, so I think that's something where I really don't do well if I'm context switching. And even today, at th later today at 3 p.m., I have a presentation I'm running. And even knowing that I have that presentation, and I'm going to have to kind of sit down and prepare and get ready, is just throwing off my whole day today because I don't like to have like odd meetings in the middle of creative time or thinking time or just um, in my flow. And so this is something I think I'm thinking a lot about, especially with 
the amount of interruptions in our day-to-day and all of our lives today with notifications on social media and just with text messages. Um, how can I do this better and batch and just turn off the world and do better work? And so I guess all that to say and answer your question is I'm still not doing it well, but it's something that I'm focused on and um, working on right now. Yeah, I think when you said turn off the world, that is the key for me because I have a really hard time turning off the world, right? You know, like me too. All yeah. you know, the emails that come in, and you want to pay attention to what other people are doing, and you know, copywriting or marketing or in their businesses, people that you follow, or the news. And I mean, what I mean, we've had years of crazy news cycles and that kind of stuff. It's um, it, it kind of gives you that dopamine hit every time you you know check in on that stuff and it's addictive. And there are definitely times when I'm able to push that aside and, and really try to focus on deep work. But um, even Cal Newport, who wrote the whole book on deep work, talks about this isn't the kind of thing that you can do one day and then not the next. It almost has to become a regular habit. And that's probably where it breaks down for me is that you know I'll have a day or two where I feel like I get a lot of stuff done. And then I'll have a day or two where it just, it's almost like rest days because I got so much done and my body's just like, okay, now you can go have your media diet and do all of the silly things that waste time. And uh, so that's, that's the stuff that I've got to get better at shutting out the world so that I can truly focus. Well, and I watched the social dilemma over the weekend (laughs) because everybody was talking about it. So I had to see it. If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. And so now I'm like, I'm going to become fanatical about it. I mean, I just watched it yesterday. And so I want to cut off like notifications, a lot of things that I know you've done before, social media notifications, any notifications on my phone. Um, But the trickier part for me, like you said, is the real world stuff, like having access to um, the babysitter who's texting us throughout the day when our kids are with her, right? Like it's not frequent, but I can't just turn off my phone for multiple hours. So like there are things like that. And then all of a sudden it opens that door. And so it's more the gray area that I'm focused on now. What do you do with the gray area? And there are solutions. So it's just figuring problem solving to figure that out. So I know we've been kind of talking about this problem that we have, but I think the key here is what Jordan was talking about. Like if you can create systems that support the way that you work, it's just so much better. Right. And, and it, you know, it's like, it's the same thing, you know, if you're on a diet or not having the sugar in the house, you're not having the bad things around. And we just need to be better at creating systems that help us eliminate context switching or uh, give us time for writing in you know, long periods of time or allow us to focus on the programs that we need to focus on. And so I, like I said, I I'm scribbling notes. I'm paying a lot of attention to what Jordan's saying here, because this is something that I think all of us can get better, even if we do it relatively well. Yeah, we are definitely students in this conversation with Jordan. So let's jump back to the interview with Jordan. You mentioned earlier that there's the process of letting go of a lot of these tasks and, and that there's this, it sounds like there's this great feeling when you do let go of all the stuff you don't want to do and you just do what you want to do. And I think for so many copywriters, they can't relate to that. That just sounds so impossible. And, but we, yet we know you're doing it and many other entrepreneurs are doing it. So can you talk a little bit about the letting go process and how we can do that better? And even examples of what you've let go of. So you can be our example of someone who's actually done this. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Uh, a really clear example of this, and then I'll kind of go into how, how others can start this process, is uh, when I first started doing VIP days and intensives, there were a lot of things that I had to systematize and let go of as a solopreneur. And one of those things was social media. And I think that we all feel the pressure to be on there all the time and looking like hunky-dory, you know, frolicking in the fields. And I was just like, I have no interest in maintaining my social media. However, I don't want to look like an absolute ghost town. So for me, uh, what I did was I actually set up a 90, I just, again, batching, surprised, um, not surprised, but the, uh, I created a 90 day um, social media content calendar that I threw into meet Edgar. That was like, whatever, $35 a month. And all of the tips and stuff just would go on repeat. So for a full year and a half, I didn't really create any new social media content. Sometimes, you know, I was posting out of inspiration, but for the most part, it was running on its own. And that allowed me to have authority and look active without me having to physically be the one posting every time, which was really great. Another area that I had to let go of was like website maintenance. So during that time, I also set up a coming soon website. So this is how like, you know, I really let go of some stuff. But uh, I had a one page website that said coming soon. I had zero plans of building a website, by the way, coming soon. Um, and I, the only focus that I had was building relationships with referral partners to bring in new clients and delivering with new clients. So I eliminated a lot of the um, areas that I could spend tweaking and overanalyzing and overthinking so that my brain was able to be streamlined on building relationships and then delivering with clients, which are my two favorite activities to do. And so I, that's what I did. And so I went to a lot of events. Uh, I went to actually over 30 um, in 2017. And those were, I think I only spoke at like four of those, the rest of them I just attended. And that's where I got a lot of my clients and my referral partners. And so I eliminated a lot of the typical, I guess, like marketing aspects of my business and straight focus on, you know, generating clients through building relationships and delivering with clients. So for you as a business owner, when you're looking at, okay, what can I let go of? If, you know, Instagram, you know, look at what areas are actually getting you results. And it's, it's always interesting to me when people are like, you know, I'm going to start doing Pinterest marketing. And I'm like, well, where have you gotten your clients before? They're like, oh, referral partners or, you know, word of mouth. And I'm like, okay, so how can you actually, why would you start over in like the marketing aspect if something else is working? Why don't you put a system together or in place for what's already working to make that easier and make that replicable versus you know, going and starting a whole new type of marketing that you don't even know if it works or not. And so really identify what has worked in the past for you and create a system around it for you to be able to deliver on that um, again and again and again. And secondly to that, I'm a really big fan of the Strength Finders test. I don't know if you guys have taken that before. I'm mildly obsessed. Um, oh, awesome. And I think that they give you this like document and it really 
I found it to be very um, insightful. And so I was able to see like really the areas and it doesn't say like you should do copy or you should do social, but it shows you kind of, again, your tendencies, your strengths. And one of my strengths is focus. (laughs) So, you know, not a shocker again with, you know, how I've built my business, but you know, I look at, I looked at focus when I was looking at what offerings I wanted to do um, early on in my business when monthly retainers weren't working. And I thought if focus is a strength of mine, that means that I should actually work with people in a much shorter time capacity. Right. And so you can start to build those insights from there. Um, also I should, you know, batch my podcast. I should do all of these things because I'm great at focus And so what are all the areas that I can create a more focused environment and for me to be in my strengths? Um, Another thing that is um, a strength of mine is significance. That's my top strength. And at first I thought, oh gosh, does that just sound like I'm like arrogant and think I'm the greatest person ever? Uh, But no, it actually means that I don't like doing things that have no meaning, which is 110% true. I hate you know, building a system for somebody that then they don't even use, or I don't like posting on social media if people don't find it to be helpful. And so I really have looked at, okay, what has been significant in my business, which has been building relationships 110% and like connecting people. And that if, if nothing else, if I just connect with people and build relationships, my business will continue to thrive and will continue to run. And so I would say those two things of understanding what's actually getting you the results currently with your business with a mix of a strength finders assessment to really identify where you should be spending your time and then start to look at, okay, what are, if this, you know, pocket of things is where I need to be, list out all the other things and start to identify what you can automate and what you can delegate from there. Okay, so focus isn't even close to my top five. Uh, it's probably <laughs> probably in my bottom five, my strength finder. Yeah. So, um, as as I'm listening to you talk about this, it strikes me that a lot of this stuff might be a lot easier with a team. So I wonder, you know, what systems should we be setting up before we have a team, and then at what point do we bring on a team to help us with the systems that we should be building after you know we've reached that certain point? It's kind of a, a weird question, but uh, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. So I, I probably talk a lot about team because I'm just really obsessed with mine. Um, I don't think that you need to have a team in order to like grow and scale your business, depending on what your goals are. But I think that there's so much you can automate. Like for example, um, onboarding for my group coaching program is fully automated. So once somebody pays for joining the the program, they get a contract, which they sign, which then automatically does four things. It it sends them a welcome email with instructions on how to uh, uh, schedule their onboarding call. I get two tasks on my ClickUp board that say, hey, go co-sign the contract and then go and once they actually are in the Facebook group, give them a celebratory like welcome post. And then also from there, they get access to Kajabi where, which is where we have all of our, all of our content. And so a lot of people have manual, I've seen this so many times, a lot of people have an extremely manual process for onboarding their clients, onboarding their students, 
And, you know, there's really such power in automation that you could totally eliminate a position in your business by automating. Uh, same thing again with social media. Like you heard, like a lot of people hire social media managers. I had a 90 day content calendar that just goes out on its own. Um, and I just looked at like, what are the most common questions I get asked? What do I think people need to know about me and how, you know, can I portray that in just 90 days on autopilot? Not a single person remembered that I posted that same thing nine months ago or three months ago or two months ago, because there's so much going on in other people's lives that we think, oh, we have to come up with like fresh stuff all the time. And that's simply not true. Um, so I think that a lot of people overthink what has to be done manually and what has to be done by a team member. And it really, there's, I would say that a lot of what people are doing manually now, 70% of that could probably be automated. Like, and I truly, truly believe that. And I've done that for multiple people to where they really are just sticking to their zone of genius and they aren't having to do things that actually aren't serving them. Right. Yeah. I'm just, we, we need to automate a lot, a lot of what we're doing. Um, okay. So I, this may be nosy, but I just would love to know what, how you spend your time. Cause you're doing so many of these things, right. And you're batching, you're automating, you're doing, focusing on your superpowers. I know there's no typical day, but what is a typical day for you? How do you spend your time because you've set up systems? I just love to get a glimpse into your calendar. Totally. A day in the life. Um, so it, a little bit depends on the day because I do batch like tasks together. So um, Wednesdays and Thursdays are my call days. Um, so I'm pretty much on the phone from 11 or noon um, all the way to five. And those could be podcast interviews, they could be sales calls, or they could be um, trainings and other people's programs. But I just know I'm going to be talking all day. And then um, Mondays and Fridays tend to be the days that I do my actual VIP days. So those are days that I either have open if I don't have a VIP day or I have a scheduled VIP day. And then Tuesdays are my like actual work days, which usually consist of either, you know, um, thinking up things that I should do for a launch or uh, connecting with potential JV partners or uh, things like that. And then a few batch activities that I do is um, every six months, I batch 24 videos. Um, and those are ones that go out uh, every week on my Instagram. And we're about to add YouTube to that. And then every three months, we batch three months of podcast recordings, which my podcast comes out twice a month. Um, and so those weeks, you know, I don't take calls or I don't do work. I just simply focus on uh, those batch activities specifically. So it's a very, um, I've let, again, at this point, I've let go of a lot in my business. Um, I'm not in my inbox, not on my calendar. Um, I don't maintain my ClickUp. Um, I don't do my social media. I do my DMs, um, but I don't do my posting and, and whatnot. My area of expertise has always stayed with building connections and delivering for clients. And so that has been really my main, again, I will never venture away from those things. And as long as, you know, we're growing and adding things, um, they will always become new positions. They won't ever be things that, that end up on my plate. Can we also talk about the schedule for your team, the things that they're doing almost on a daily basis to support you in what you're doing? Yeah. 
So I'm a me- not a meetings person. I hate meetings with a fiery passion. And so um, that's a big thing when I'm hiring is I, I will ask questions about, you know, if you need clarity, if there's a problem, like how would you handle that? And if you say, we'll hop on a call real quick, you will immediately get nixed from my hiring process. Oh, wow. Now we, um, all, know your, now we all know the secret <laughs> to getting hired. Yeah, and I, I totally exactly. love that. I, I, uh, I'm going to adopt that, I think, to my own process. Totally. And it's, you know, you don't really think about that. Um, but I, I know that that would just drive me bonkers. And so we have one, one hour team meeting. It is with, um, I have six team members. Four of them are what I would consider, I guess, core team members, meaning that they are more of the leadership um, and they will manage um, some of the other team members. And so, yeah, we meet once a week. It's plenty, plenty of time. And we will just communicate in Slack otherwise. And so I think that it's, it really allows for us because I knew as a service provider, there was nothing more annoying when I'm in the middle of like trying to be great and get my work done. And you all of a sudden want to just like hop on a quick call that actually lasts an hour. Nothing irritated me more than that. And so there are no last minute calls. There are no um, like, let's just hop on a quick call. None of this is happening in the business. Um, and my project manager does do, I guess, 15 minute check-in meetings every week with the team members, but I, Jordan is not doing, um, a ton of meetings. So that, that helps alleviate a lot of space and it alleviates a lot of time that they can go and actually do the work that they're, you know, supposed to be doing instead of, you know, being like, oh, I got to hop on this team meeting call. I know people who have like 30 meetings in a week um, with different team members and different departments and this person and that person. And it's like, oh gosh, this is a nightmare. So um, I just have always made that. I want you to be working on the work much more than you're in meetings with team members. Can you talk about how to lead a team and grow a team and do that well? Because a lot of copywriters are starting to add their first team member, maybe it's a VA or OBM and expanding. But uh, the struggle oftentimes is how to be a strong leader and to be a good leader so that you can grow beyond. So when it comes to growing a team, again, I like to do a um, hiring matrix, hiring quadrant, whatever you want to call it. So if you basically like fold like a normal eight and a half by 11 piece of paper twice, so hot dog and then hamburger style, you'll have four quadrants and the upper left top quadrant is things that you enjoy and things that you're good at. Uh, The next quadrant off to the right is things that you enjoy, but that you're not good at, which I don't have that many in that category, honestly. Um, And then the bottom left quadrant is, okay, what do I not enjoy, but I'm good at? And then the very last quadrant is what do I not enjoy and what am I not good at? And that last fourth quadrant is usually where you want to start hiring because the, again, the resistance, the noise, the distractions that happen when you hate doing something, it's going to take you exponentially longer to do that task than it is something that you are inspired by and that excites you and is fun. And so, you know, I have absolutely hired out those first things for myself. Um, and again, I would say in, in that box is like calendar management, inbox management, um, the financial side of business, um, 
having to, you know, create all of the tasks every single month for team members, team meetings in that box. Um, and not necessarily that, you know, my one team meeting is actually really fun and I love my team and I just don't need the team meetings all the time. So whatever is in that last fourth quadrant is where I would start the growth aspect of your team. And then from there, you know, managing a team really, really comes down to boundaries and expectations. So for example, my team knows our goals. We want a hundred people in our program. And as far as like my services, I'm really in control of that. And that's more of an area that, that I own. And that is no one else really works um, on that side of the business, I guess. So they know that we want this many students and that's the goal and they're fired up about it. And then they also know that um, what their role in making that happen is. So my content manager, she is all in charge of, again, the nurturing of our leads in the sense of like, how is our Instagram looking like? Are we creating like a lead magnet or a small buy offer that's going to lead more people to want to join our program? And we have our coach who is inside the program and making sure that everyone feels loved, supported, heard, accepted. And that's a core part because we have a lot of people in our program that will refer more people to the program. And so that's how she helps us get to that 100 done in a day student goal. My inbox manager, if there's questions about the program, like, are you being attentive? Are you being clear? Are you being concise? Uh, And how we're able to manage every single person's role toward that goal is super, super crucial. And then also something that's actually really fun that we do as a team is that we do these monthly team development sessions. And our first one, uh, funny enough, was around like cycle alignment and like knowing your energies throughout the month and what tasks you should work on when. Um, and then we have another team development session all about Colby, which is a, another personality assessment. And so we're able to learn about each other in a really fun way that also actually helps us all support each other better. Because if we know how each other operates, we can create a better and more streamlined workflow moving forward, as well as the fact that, um, you know, I think a lot of people early on in business think that they need to come up with like the best mission or the best vision. And like, it's so epic and, you know, Richard Branson-esque or whatever. However, it took me a really long time, um, as in like, I just did it this year, uh, which is my fourth year in business to really dial that in. And ever since I discussed that with my team and have made that very prominent, it has helped them know where I stand on a lot of things. So my, um, my mission is to help more um, overworked uh, one woman shows become streamlined solopreneurs. And our vision is that we want to eliminate the word burnout from online service providers vocabularies. And so that right there shows where we stand on um, content. What type of content are we providing people? That's Uh, what also helps our decisions as far as, you know, should you do this JV partnership? Should you do this podcast interview? Should you do this summit? Because if it doesn't align with those two things, then it's a really easy no. Um, And so ever since I've shared that, that's been something really, really crucial and helps them also just understand how I work. And the reason that I batch so much that I, I batched before I had a team, but now it's even more powerful 
having a team is so that they can get so ahead that if they need to take a mental health day, the whole business is not going to burn down or the podcast interview is not going to go out this week or whatever needs to happen isn't going to happen. I want my team members to be supported when it comes to mental health, which I'm super passionate about talking about as somebody who's highly anxious and again, have a little bit of mild OCD. And so I want the people on my team to know that I care about them as individuals and humans, as much as I care about them, you know, getting the work done on my team. I think we're all recovering workaholics on my team. Um, And so it's a good way for us to hold each other accountable and say, all right, we're like a month ahead on this, you know, let's take a break or go on a vacation or, oh, you know, one person on my team got this invite to hike Big Sur and she had like two days notice and it was really beautiful and awesome for her to just be like, yeah, I'm going to go like, and it wasn't even a question. It wasn't a, a concern of mine because I'm like, yeah, bro, like we're two months ahead on this stuff. So go be great. That's going to be so awesome. You know, no Wi-Fi. Um, and so I think knowing your criteria, your expectations and boundaries is the biggest thing when it comes to growing and, and managing your team. Jumping in again. Another thing we talked about with Jordan is letting go. It sounds so simple, but it's not, as we all know. And especially for anyone who likes to have control and maintain control, it's tricky. Um, But this conversation with Jordan definitely started the process for me. And I I don't think I even realized it, but I've been letting go of a lot of different things in my personal life and in the business since we talked to Jordan and I'm still looking at what else I can let go of. And just to share some specifics too, since then I've started working with a social media manager who's amazing and is now taking over and managing my Instagram. And then once we figure that out, she's going to also manage my LinkedIn and I'm just turning my Twitter off. Like I almost deactivated it over the weekend because I just am cutting out what I don't need. And I decided I don't want to be on social media other than the Facebook groups where we run our programs and they're connecting with our community. And so that has been a big process of letting go. Um, and it's, again, it's in the works. I want to ask you about like the trust element of this, because this is where it's really hard. You know, when I have let go of things, um, you know, we've, we, I've mentioned in the past that I used to edit the podcast and let go of that. We had to find somebody that we trusted well enough to do that. And we've got a great podcast editor to do that now. And we're in the process of, I'm letting go of some of the customer service stuff that I used to do with the underground and with the accelerator and trusting our team. We've got a great team in place to do that. Maybe the key is, you know, that you, you just need to know that you've got the right people that you can trust so that you can let go because I I'm with you. Like letting go is really difficult. You know, in my own business, um, I've resisted working with a VA because I don't necessarily want to let go of that process of connecting with the client or doing the research or, you know, a lot of the things that a lot of copywriters give to a VA. Um, maybe it's because I just don't trust the person that I might be working with enough to let go of that stuff. Would you say that's maybe the, is it about trust? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely about trust. I think it's kind of fun to watch because I think I'm definitely just at the point where I'm like, I just have to let go because I, I want life to be better, right? Like I want these improvements and this is the only way to get there. But yeah, I mean, letting go for social media means at the beginning of working with someone, there's definitely more back and forth, right? I'm still very controlling. And so like it's figuring out what works, what doesn't, but it's 
the goal is to get to the point where I can let more and more of it go. So it doesn't happen overnight. And I'm, I'm okay with that. And I even tell people when I work with them, like, please be patient with me. I have control issues, but I want to get to the point where I can let go completely. And so in addition to social media and handing that off, I have handed off pitching podcasts. So I have like a system for that. Someone else manages. I also recently started working with an assistant. And to go back to what you're saying, Rob, about trust, like I already trusted her because she babysits my kids. And so the trust was already built in. And so when she asked for more hours and we had a conversation about what else she wants to do, I realized that she could help me um, just with some like odd and end odd jobs in the business and then also even at home. And so I've been handing a lot off to her. And again, a lot of it is stuff at home, like organization that just doesn't get done. Um, And so I'm even thinking and very close to handing off my email inbox and calendar to her. We definitely need to like talk through that. I want to figure out some systems for that. I might even tap, you know, reach out to Jordan just for some advice on that. Um, but I'm just at the point where like it has to happen and I've already found someone I trust. So now for me, it's just where can I find the right resources to do it smoothly so that it doesn't blow up in my face. Um, but it's, Handing yeah. off email. That is, <laughs> holy cow. That, that like, I'm going crazy. I'm going nuts me, here. That'll give me hives. Like that's, I live my life in my inbox. So that one would be really hard. But I think, you know, Jordan gave us that tool, you know, separating the thing, the tasks that we do or the tasks that we like into the quadrants. And, you know, maybe that's a starting place where, you know, the stuff that you're, you're terrible at, the stuff that you hate doing, the stuff that, you know, brings you no joy, getting that out of your life uh, is probably a good thing, regardless of whether you're going to be working with somebody, you know, to do it or not. But yeah, I've, I've got more work to do here. <laughs> and I'm going to feel like an amazing person in a couple of weeks when I've just let all this stuff go. So I'll keep you updated or maybe it will backfire and this will just blow up. So let's go back and wrap up the interview, starting with a question about how Jordan structures her VIP days. So Jordan, you mentioned that you do VIP days on Mondays and Fridays. I am curious, all things VIP. So how do you make it work? Uh, What do you charge? How do you demonstrate the value of the VIP day to your clients so they know know, they're getting something before they sign up? Like spill all the secrets. Oh gosh, yes. So VIP days are, I'll just define those. VIP days and intensives are pretty interchangeable as far as language is concerned, but from a positioning standpoint, they are different. Um, So it just depends on uh, what resonates with your clients. But VIP days and intensives are a four-figure offering um, or service offering that can be done with you or done for you. And it's between three to eight hours done in a, you know, within a 24 hour period that helps with a very specific transformation. So copywriters, for example, um, a lot of your audience probably is familiar with Tarzan K and day rates. Those are very similar to VIP days, if not synonymous. Um, Again, day rate is just another positioning term. So if day rate sounds better to you or your clients understand that, then use day rate. But examples of done with you and done for you, I had uh, experience doing a VIP day with a website developer who developed like seven pages of my website and we didn't ever get on the phone. It was just a Slack, like basically I reserved her day and she slacked me when, you know, a certain page was done and I would go review the page, give her her feedback, and then she would go and make the changes and move on to the next page. 
Um, you can do that very similarly in copywriting. Like you don't have to necessarily be sitting there on the call the entire time. And the client's just like watching you, you know, over, I guess, your virtual shoulder, looking at how you're writing the copy, right? You can do it where they really are just reserving time on your calendar and you are able to write to your heart's desire, whether that's website copy, whether that's social. And you can, the biggest thing is being able to express your deliverables and the boundaries around them. So again, my, the developer I worked with, she said, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to try and get as far as I can. However, it's also not going to be my responsibility if I don't get all the pages done. And you can decide as a client if that's okay with you, right? And I was like, that's fine. Um, And how can I show up and give her what she needs to be great in her position? And it's about how can I set up, set her up for success so that she's not, she can actually achieve the goal I want her to achieve. And that's the difference between day rates, VIP days and intensives and a monthly retainer. When you're in a monthly retainer, there's scope creep, which is considered, you know, a client saying, oh, you're doing my emails, but can you also do my social media captions and just like expecting you to just like add stuff to your uh, retainer agreement. Um, That's scope creep, or they'll push your boundaries, they'll delay projects, they will delay invoices. And all of that is just kind of part of and accepted, I guess, as monthly retainers. VIP days are not like that, um, or day rates, where you can absolutely require payment all up front, or they lose that day. I know multiple people who say, if you do not pay in full before the day, you have forfeited the day and you have to repay if you want to get back on my calendar. Um, I know people who will say, okay, you know, you can reschedule once um, within a month, whatever that is for you. Um, that allows you to have a little bit more of the power and not power as in like, you know, evil genius power, but just power in, you know, uh, having control over your calendar and also your, your cash flow. And so looking at, okay, you know, here's exactly, you know, my intake questionnaire, as long as you fill that out, I will do the work that's required. And it's funny because so many people with services in the monthly retainer formatting, they, their clients literally like, it is like nails on a chalkboard trying to get clients to actually fill out their intake questionnaire. And for my VIP days, like my clients will fill them out gleefully and then ask if I need more information, which is like mind boggling to a lot of people. But that's what happens because they want you to maximize the time during that intensive. So they're willing to do the work in order to set it up successfully. What are some mistakes you've seen service providers make with VIP days? Um, Now that you've worked with so many and you've been teaching us, uh, where do we go wrong? Again, y'all are words people, so this one is important. Do not name your intensives or your VIP days anything like power hour, strategy session, audit, any like version of any of those things. Those are conversion killer words when it comes to VIP days. And the reason for that is because automatically people have attached a meaning to how much those are worth to them. And so people don't value audits a lot. People don't value, um, you know, a quick one hour strategy session, pick your brain session. Do not use that for your VIP days. Your VIP days and intensives really are meant to take people through a process or framework. They are not 
a longer strategy session to have somebody pick your brain. They are intentional. They're strategic. And besides the naming, I think that the next area that I see the most mistakes is the marketing aspect of it. VIP days are not your chance to build this super, you know, intense funnel where people are just, you know, flooding in from Facebook ads and signing up for VIP days. VIP days and intensives are a very connection-oriented offering for your services. And so this is not generally speaking, where you just are going to like post on, you know, your Instagram feed and you're going to have 10 people wanting to do a VIP day. Can you do, I've seen people do them in stories because they're more like 24 hour, like quick, um, you know, every beginning of the month, they have a few spots open that works really well. But if you're just consistently posting about your VIP days, I found that that just doesn't, it kind of dilutes them a little bit. So what I mean by connection marketing are things like referral partners or going to events, speaking at events, uh, doing podcast interviews. Those sorts of types of marketing are really great for VIP days. And very often I see folks trying to talk about their VIP days on the daily on social media. And that's just not the same type of marketing that you would want to do for like courses or programs or your other services. It just needs to be tweaked a little bit and feel really special. I've actually never had a services page for these, no Google docs, no sales decks, no nothing. And so people just get on the phone with me, talk to me and then decide if they want to work with me. That's it. And so Um, there are people who do Google docs, who do services pages, and that's super well and good. Know your target audience, which is, you know, not the first time you all have heard that. However, my audience likes that this is like, you know, something that not everybody knows about, or that is sort of like behind the curtain. Um, they're very intrigued by that. And so because it worked in the beginning, I just was like, okay, well, I guess if it's working, I don't, why do more work? Like, I'm just going to keep doing it this way. So I would say those two things are really where I see the biggest mistakes is the naming of it, which again, you know, people judge a book by its cover. It is what it is. And then also like the marketing, it really needs to be like a connection-based marketing um, strategy. So it sounds like, you know, we're calling it VIP days. It is special. It is your hundred percent attention, undivided attention. So if you're not marketing it in a way that feels exclusive and like it truly is VIP, it's just not the right message match and you may lose interest from people. So let's say I'm trying it for the first time. I'm going to try my first VIP day. You've convinced me it's, it's worth testing. What advice would you suggest about thinking about how I price it initially and um, how I should approach it the first or second time so that it is a win and I don't feel deflated like I didn't come through for the client and I or I or I did way too much and didn't get paid enough. Mm. What's so funny is that is that's a very big concern for a lot of people. And more times than not, I get a text or a DM or something. And I'm like, I actually had two hours left and I didn't know what to do. Or we got through this way faster than I thought because we're trained again with monthly retainers to add in cushion for client shenanigans. And so if you are not having to deal with client shenanigans, the speed at which you can actually get things done is pretty remarkable. Um, And at first, when I started doing VIP days, I had them as three hours. And I actually had to bonus, I think the first 
few clients I had, I had to bonus an extra hour. And that's how I positioned it. And the clients were all happy, all good. And then, you know, after the first few of those, I was like, well, actually, I probably just need to do a four hour VIP day. And that's what I did. And so it's okay if you don't necessarily have it right off the top, right off the bat. I I think that if you let them know, like, hey, you know, if I you know, told you that this was the expectation, this was the deliverable and it hasn't happened. Like I'm willing and committed to make sure that that happens. And so for me, that was just bonusing an extra hour of a VIP day. And again, I didn't have a single person being upset about that. And so it's really just a matter of managing the expectation instead of feeling like you have to have a perfect right off the bat. And so I would say that you'll want to kind of time your, if you're like a perfectionist Enneagram one like myself, then you can time yourself doing it by yourself. And I would basically either double or add on an extra hour or two to whatever it is that your actual time is of doing something. If you have all the information up front, if you know, you are super diligent and have thought of all the ways to speed up your process, which I call assets. Um, Assets are like swipes or templates or um, Mad Libs or things that during your intensive you can use to speed up your actual uh, opportunity to get things done. And so creating enough assets to where the time is you know, you can be derailed every once in a while with client stuff, but you, and really by client stuff, I mean, sometimes y'all just be chit-chattering if you do like the co-working done with you, you know, clients will want to chit-chat about stuff, or maybe they want to go for a walk. Um, I let them know at the very beginning, if, you know, this is a six hour VIP day. And so if you're wanting, you know, a break, you want to go, you know, bake some cookies, let me know, like get up, move around, do what you need to do, and we'll still be able to keep it rocking and rolling. And that just alleviates a lot of the the pressure and like the anxiety around like we have to be glued on the screen, like absolutely invested and focused for the entirety of the VIP day. Um, but I would say again, I would say more times than not, most of my clients come back and say that they're actually done a lot earlier than they thought. Okay. And my final question for you, I I, I think this is probably self-serving and I'm, I'll see if it comes out the right way, but how do you view this parallel path of your own ambition, your own goals, life goals, business goals, and on the other side, pleasure, fun, um, actually living life and <laughs> focusing on uh, other areas of your life other than uh, business and ambition? I feel like from outside of you, you do it well and you do both well. Um, and you seem to have it figured out. Um, how do you view the two and how they work together or are woven together? Yeah, totally. I think it's always looking at, for me anyway, it's looking at, you know, what I'm a big cadence, rhythm kind of person. And, you know, I used to have this understanding that I was going to take this like, you know, well-deserved like four-day break every year um, for myself. I actually have taken a month sabbatical before as well. Um, But I have continuously recognized that I actually need to be doing, you know, three or four-day breaks every quarter just from a sense of like fully laptop off, no DMs, that whole sort of thing. And it's always funny because I, I make more money when I travel or when I'm not 
<laughs> messing with stuff. And my team started to notice that. And it's like, you should just go on vacation permanently. Um, and I'm like, well, it's not a bad idea. Uh, so, you know, thinking about what your cadence is, because if you think that you can just sprint your way through business success, you, that is, you know, a one way to get to burnout town. And so for me, things that I enjoy and things that light me up are jigsaw puzzles and um, travel and uh, game nights with friends, those sorts of things. And so if I am strategic about, you know, making sure that those are on my calendar in a consistent enough you know, basis. And I'm not somebody who has like that super color coordinated calendar that is hour by hour what I do. Uh, I actually am not a big fan of that. I think that what, what is scheduled needs to be scheduled and, you know, building the additional systems in order to make the other things happen. So for example, I have had a housekeeper for the past four years. I will never not have a housekeeper uh, because I just don't see cleaning as worth my time. Um, And uh, right now I'm in a bit of like a a launch pad scenario where uh, for a launch of mine, I'm, I'm in a new city, I'm in an Airbnb and I actually hired a personal chef where she is sending me meals, lunch, five lunches, five dinners. And that way I don't have to think about, you know, the sustenance that I need in order to show up as my highest self during my launch. It's things like that that make a really big difference and that we sometimes don't allow ourselves to indulge in because we think either financially it doesn't make sense or what does that say about me that I have a housekeeper and a personal chef? Like, does that mean that I'm like one of those rich, crazy people that like people hate? you know, and we, we attach so much meaning to it. And maybe that's how you're thinking I am. And I understand that. And, you know, I, it is very crucial for me to know how can I show up as like the best and highest serving self when it comes to my clients or my students in my program. I can't do that if I'm scrubbing baseboards for two hours. How is that actually providing my clients and my students the highest level of energy for me. Oh, wait, it's not. So for me, it's looking at, again, you know, those things that that really aren't, um, I guess, helping with my energy, but it also is what are the things that give me energy and that give me joy and that, you know, scheduling, um, you know, a weekly chat with all of your best friends, maybe something that's super helpful to you or, you know, uh, doing a cooking class every Friday with your hubby, your partner, like whatever that looks like, making sure that you are prioritizing those things, but also making it, you know, one thing that I think is really great if you're totally terrible at this is signing up for a passion area of yours, uh, an actual monthly subscription box. So if you like wine, for example, there's like bajillions of wine subscription boxes and you can like literally on a monthly basis, create this like wine tasting night with yourself or you and your partner's date night. And you can taste all the wines that you just got in the box. Or if you're a craft person, get the craft subscription box. And every month you literally are paying for somebody to send you crafts and you can try those out or a book club or whatever other subscription boxes there are out there. There's puzzles, there's all sorts of ones. And that then allows for you to say, oh, well, it's already here. Like I don't have to do any extra work for me to find joy. So I might as well just indulge and enjoy and put it on my calendar and not let it go to waste. 
I'm going to get a box. I'm going to get a monthly oh, box now. What kind of box are you going to get? <laughs> well, you sold me at wine. I was like, well, <laughs> I can do that. Or the puzzles. Puzzle boxes also sound like yeah. fun. Um, yeah. Okay. So what is next for you? Um, what's coming up next? And where can people find you if they want to work with you on a VIP day or learn more from you about VIP days? Yeah. So I am a total fan of Instagram. Um, I will admit that I'm not the one posting. I'm absolutely the one commenting and DMing because that's the part that I actually enjoy. Um, and so you can come over to at system saved me on Instagram and we can chitter chat about what your potential VIP day is or what monthly subscription box you're going to join. And also my website has tons of references and resources. Um, that's systemsaveme.com. Um, super easy. And then lastly, I also have a podcast called Shocker System Save Me. And you can go and um, take some listens. Uh, it's really fun. And it really shows different business owners and the systems that they've built to help them navigate success. Um, so there's over 200 episodes. Um, it's been such a labor of love. But um, yeah, those I, I would say those are the three places that you can connect with me or uh, get more insights from me. Sounds good. Well, thank you for joining us. And from two non-systems people, this is an area we struggle with. A lot of copywriters who work with struggle in this area too. So thank you for sharing so much. It gives me some hope and makes me want to batch, start batching uh, starting today. So thank you for that. And also thank you for being at TCC in real life in March before everything shut down and actually traveling to San Diego to be with us on the panel. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so much fun. I got to connect with so many dope people. It was such a well put together event. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Jordan. All right. I'm so glad that we were able to talk to Jordan about VIP days because we know copywriters talk about this frequently in our communities and it's kind of like the hot topic and Jordan does it. Um, really well and teaches it so well. And so what stood out to me here is um, how she talked about the language around VIP days. And I think she identified that the language really matters. And I think that's where I often get tripped up with VIP days is just the way people and copywriters talk about it and package it often feels off to me. And so what I like that she said, first of all, if it's called a VIP day, it's got to feel kind of VIP. So if you're even calling it a VIP day, it's got to feel kind of like high end, high touch, you know, maybe more like a luxury experience or it shouldn't even be called a VIP day. Um, and then I also think it's, it's less about uh, the hours. So I know a lot of times copywriters will just call it like, well, you get me for a day, like you buy me for a day, but it's more about emphasizing the result and what they're going to walk away with. And introducing them to a framework so you're more intentional about it. And so um, Jordan mentioned that too, that you really should have a framework that you're running through during that day or during that weekend. And it's less about like, hey, you can pick my brain for an entire day or for an hour. And so I think just being really careful with the way that you talk about it and package it is really important here. Yeah, I think there's really an opportunity here to, as you, as you were saying, like really turn this into a VIP experience. So it's not just hiring somebody for a day and at the end of the day, you're going to, you know, hit your deliverables or that kind of thing. But, you know, what if you could add some extras that really make the client feel something different about 
the experience of working with you for a day. So, you know, maybe you've got a midday check-in and you can actually, you know, send them lunch and you're, you know, having lunch during your midday check-in, or, you know, maybe there's something you can send them at the beginning of the day that just, you know, a, a gift or, or something that just kind of sets the tone for, you know, the next six to eight hours are going to be something different from the typical copywriting experience. And, uh, you know, I can see a VIP day like that working really well, but I know we've talked about this in the past. Like I'm not a huge fan of VIP days for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, one is that it's really not that much different for, uh, than charging, you know, a certain number of dollars per hour. You're selling six or eight hours uh, for a day, but also personally, I just, I'm not sure I want the, Oh, I've got to deliver, you know, from, from morning till night, no distractions or make sure that, uh, you know, a certain amount of work happens. That kind of pressure is a little hard for me, but, uh, but again, a lot of copywriters are doing VIP days or, you know, whatever other names they're using to sell them. So this is definitely something that's working for a lot of people. So Jordan didn't sell you on the VIP day, Rob? No, I don't think so. I, um, <laughs> but she, does, I mean, the way she approaches it and like you said, the language around it is, is really really important. I also think, you know, we, Jordan mentioned retainers too and how she switched from retainers to VIP days and that's a great approach, but it's also worth noting that you can have a, you know, you can figure out the mixture that works for you. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. And like, I would rather have a mixture of some solid retainers where I can go really deep with clients over a year and get some incredible results um, and have that stability and then also have VIP days that allow you to kind of get that income boost and book a couple a month and um, and work with new clients on a regular basis without necessarily being attached to multiple retainers. So I think there's a really nice mixture you can figure out based off what works for you. Yeah, I agree. Something else, I feel like this was such an actionable conversation. Jordan mentioned the subscription box and we talked about just like kind of how to live life a little bit more fully. And she suggested that um, we could get a monthly subscription box that allows you to kind of just like create a fun experience on your own or with a partner or with family. And so I've looked into that since we talked to Jordan and I found so many fun subscription boxes. And so I'm deciding on the one I want, but I'm, I'm deciding between the Deadbolt Mystery Society subscription box where you solve mysteries every month or the vinyl record subscription box or the STEM engineering and electronics subscription box. So I have a list of a bunch of other subscription boxes that we can link to if anyone else loved that idea and wants to jump in and just kind of create or find a new hobby or do something unrelated to copywriting. Although there are plenty of subscription boxes related to writing and books. And there's even one that sounded cool. It was called Coffee and a Classic. You get like coffee and you get a new classic or a classic book every month. Um, I thought that one would be fun too. So I'm doing it and it's thanks to Jordan for that that idea. Yeah, I love that idea. And maybe I'll have to jump in and and uh, join you for the mystery box. Uh, my daughter just got a record player. So can do like a record vinyl mystery box. There's also a comic book one that I thought you yeah, like. I've seen those too. I've been tempted. So yeah. All right. I'm looking deeper. I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. Let's see. <laughs> All right. So clearly I love Jordan and I'm a fan and especially love the way she approaches her business and team building. 
I took away so many actionable steps and ideas from this episode that I've already implemented or I'm working on today. We really appreciate Jordan for speaking on our stage at TCC IRL in San Diego this past March and also sharing all of her her goods in this episode. She clearly like did not hold back from giving all of her secrets to us, and so we really appreciate that. Be sure to check out her podcast, Systems Saved Me, or connect with her at systemssavedme.com. And that's the end of another show. Our intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. You can learn more about programs like the Copywriter Underground and the Copywriter Think Tank. That's our mastermind group for copywriters who are building six-figure businesses by visiting thecopywriterclub.com. And if you haven't already done it, would you open up Apple Podcasts and leave a review of the show? I checked just the other day and we haven't had a new review in about three or four months, Kara. So maybe oh somebody gosh. who's listening uh, wow. will pop in and just let us know what they think about uh, think about the show. Reviews help us get the word out. And if you can let us know, you know what you think about the show and the in-depth information that our guests share each week, that would be great. So thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write.